Hi, this is Deborah Lee. And Rick Denzine. Of Lyra Project. And we're with Hal and Philly on Tales of, of the, the Road Warriors. Tales of the Road Warriors. As you've just heard, this is Hal and Philly. And I'm sitting here with Lyra Project. It's a husband and wife songwriting and performing team. It's Deborah Lee and Rick Denzine. Hey. How did how long have you been together? How did you meet? Uh, well, we met at a record release party that uh, was held by uh, local celebrity Al Thompson, radio celebrity for a Seventy Sixers, right, Rick? Seventy Sixers right, record that? release, and I w- had recorded my first album with a band in Bucks County or with a recording studio in Bucks County, and. They were featuring me that evening as uh, a new artist, and Rick was at the event um, as a producer of this compilation CD. Was, and this was a mm-hmm. songwriting event or, or it was, originals? Uh, it was a citywide uh, band and artist event, and the uh, it was called Play With the 76ers, or Sixers for short, and uh, each band would uh, compete at a club, you know, like the dugout or, you know... Uh, Tin Angel or wherever it was, and right. then uh, they, they had a panel of like judges that would like thumbs up, thumbs down on the bands, and then if you made it all through, like all these different like twenty four week uh, trials of it's performance, a contest, it, yeah, it was like yeah. a contest, and and you would actually win a spot to perform at a seventy sixers game live. Oh, okay, because yeah. when you said perform with the Sixers, I'm thinking. Uh, you know, uh, you play a song and then you go out on the court and shoot a few hoops. <laughs> no, no, they, 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 these guys were you. You set up your full band and then you you, you played. You know, in front of five, ten, fifteen thousand people, depending on the night. And so were the winners then on the compilation the CD. The winners were on the compilation, and they had CD, a big yeah. release party. Did and you guys win? Well, I didn't even. I was just there on their at their invitation to perform with them. And uh, to promote my new album that I had recorded with them. And so he was in the audience that night. He was not performing. He was there as a producer. I was, yeah, I was, yeah. A, I was just judging the contest too. So oh, I okay. Was, and then you saw Deborah and you were, were you instantly smitten? Oh, let me tell you that part. Because <laughs> the second that I saw her, she looked at me. She was on stage, and, and I'm I'm just some guy. There's a sea of guys out there, right? and she just like looks at me, and I look at her, and it was like love, instant love, just like <laughs> love at first sight. And then she finished up her two song, you know, subset, and then she came down. And she walked right up to my table. It's like that's how he remembers it. Walked yes. right up. <laughs> you know, you reminded me of a. Uh, I think it was Buddy Hackett, and he was on um, Johnny Carson, <laughs> and he was talking about when he met his wife. He goes. Uh, she cocked an eye at me, and I cocked an eye at her, <laughs> and we sat there cockeyed for half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> cockeyed. Like, That's pretty funny. <laughs> so it was kind of like that, though. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that, yeah. Oh, yeah. Cockeyed. <laughs> so uh, now it says here, uh, you you said that your vision was to. This is Deborah talking to create and perform music with a universal, humanitarian, and spiritual message of compassion, peace, forgiveness tolerance and inner transformation so i'm gathering that when you met rick like like minds it was like a mind meld right because you you obviously as a as a duo connect on that level very 
Yeah, we do. Um, Very much. I would say the night we met, we didn't get into that conversation exactly. <laughs> but, um, well, we didn't have to. <laughs> because we... The, it was a mind meld, right. The, the glory right. waves were going back and forth like that, man. We no, were, but, well, I was yeah. jumping ahead to yeah. like the music <laughs> part of your partnership. Right, right. Yeah, 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 you're right, Hal. Um, we wrote all good... our songs that first night, remember? No. <laughs> <laughs> Bang! <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you know, we actually, there's a lot of, you know, synchronistic parallel things in our upbringing and families, even though he was raised in the Buffalo, New York area, and I'm from southeast Pennsylvania from a town called Quakertown, which anybody who's traveled the Pennsylvania Turnpike, Northeast Extension, has heard of. So, um but you know, a lot of our our early upbringing and influences were similar and the same. Um, we discovered that about each other over the years, and even things in our family. We were both first children. We both had two younger siblings. Our younger siblings were the exact years apart. <laughs> um, he was a religion and philosophy sheep. major. We were both. We both grew up in you know the mainstream traditional Christian um, religion. And right. well, your your, your music yeah. has a significantly christian bent to it right um some of it um it's not like gospel no we veered away we're i mean the christian contemporary world is is not a world we really fit into though we've been in that world um we know too much uh yeah (laughs) (laughs) so So, okay and now we're uh up to uh i wanted to just mention your your project goddess which is your current that's uh, our that's our current release and our latest release yeah um, as Lyra Project. As Lyra Project, yeah. correct, yes. And you have a CD also entitled Walking Together, which is a compilation of songs based on your early spiritual influences. Yes. And so you're currently working on your second album, and that's For Lyra Project, yes. No, Goddess is... The, the, the Walking Together is like a compilation of songs um, our, our, that is under our under the... Umbrella, Umbrella. Lyra Project, but it's it's um, songs that we wrote separately and some together too. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, um, plus we had that whole gig thing we were doing with the uh, like any kind of spiritual anything. We were there for Sunday morning, and we would just do all that. Yeah, a lot of our early um, on the road uh, gigs were with spiritual communities and church services and. Yeah, it says in your notes that uh, in the early 2000s, the Lyra Project performed at festivals, churches, community centers, special events, coffee houses, and house concerts on the East Coast throughout the Mid-Atlantic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you guys split the songwriting? Is, uh, are you like lyrics and he's music, or you both come up with stuff simultaneously? We both come up with stuff. Um, you know, the way it works is... It's worked different ways. Every time is different. The way it works. That's really but, funny. <laughs> That's really funny. You just jump up in bed in the middle of the night and kick him and go, I oh got my an idea. God. We, you know, okay, so one morning, she is down, actually she's in the Florida room over up in there. In our house. Yeah, we have a and she's, she's actually working on this song. And, and I'm up sleeping, sound asleep in the bedroom, and I hear this beautiful melody, right? And she only has the verse stuff, and I'm hearing this and everything, and all of a sudden, the hook popped into my head. Right, uh-huh. so, I didn't have the lyrics. He came up with the lyrics based on my riffing right, and right. my, you know, my musical idea. So that was one song, "Patiently Waits." Right, right. And um, she was so pissed off, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> I, 
didn't invite you to write this song she with me. Go me. away. It was just like, yeah, I just like, I, you know, I just like woke up with it in my head. But but then I, I you know, it's I one of the better. Guard. It's it's yeah. patiently waits, and it's one of the better songs on the. Uh, it's funny because you use the word serendipity, and then that that yeah. applies to the, to that exactly yeah. Uh, yeah. situation. Yeah. Um, I had another song where I I had a first verse. It's going to be in our next release called Promised Land. Promised Land, yeah. Um, where I was just so stuck, I could not come up with the you know with with the music at all, and I was so stuck. And I really wanted to write it myself, but I took it to Rick, and then he came up with the you know all the music, and then a second verse, and you know then it kind of all just fell together. I would say pretty much equal, you know, verse lyric and and on that particular song he really came up with the music a song that we just finished called miss the water was his uh, idea and he wrote most of the song and then he invited me to come in and, and write the lyrics she tightened it up i really tightened it up yeah. and i came up with a tag and so um yeah miss the water is going to be in our next release too and that's activists environmental yeah, I don't know whether, whether I would call you environmental activists or environmental warriors or I love Maybe the word warriors, I guess. Yeah. That's warriors just my well thing. Tales you know, of the warriors. I, I think <laughs> what what activists the way I think of it is we put into action our our beliefs and our um you know, we just feel a sense of urgency and a and a sense of determination to be the change that we believe needs to happen, and we've done that. Well, you know, to, to uh, expand on that, I want to talk about Thrive Fest because that that's, incorporates your, your... Right, the thrivefest.us is a um, music festival. It's really Rick's baby, and it has fallen on Earth Day. It's a combination music festival and electric car show. It started out as a music educational conference, too, you know, workshops for musicians is uh, on music uh, business and also with workshops on environmental topics. So that is, yeah, you're right. Thrivefest.us combines our, our passion for music and the environment. Right. Oh, well, you recently toured, too, in an all... Um all electric vehicle tour, zero emissions, and, and right, uh, right, right. Well, our, 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 I'm going to back up a little bit. Our first electric car we got in 2013 was a Nissan Leaf, which we love. Um, it is a hundred mile range, and we sacrificed <laughs> long road trips because of that for years. And then in 2017, we we were able to get a Tesla, and that was a you know a miracle that we we got the Tesla. Um, people think that you have to be rich to have a car like that. And so some people look at us and think, well, they must have a lot of money. They have a Tesla. But the Model 3 is the consumer level. And it's also just because we really wanted it. And whatever you put your mind to, you can get. Yeah, I mean, well, my roommate yeah. just got one. Yeah. And um, mm -hmm. Well, he's not rich, but I, I do right. notice that he, he also owns the home that I live in. I, okay. I rent from, from mm -hmm. him. And I did notice that since he got the Tesla... He is much more adamant about getting his rent on time. <laughs> 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 you got to get that rent. You still have to pay for <laughs> it, right? Yeah. For well, the but thing the thing was in uh, 2013, uh, we were our, we were just kind of getting out of like that recession thing that happened, and it took it, like you know we teach music and we got kids and. Um, you know, they take lessons from us and you know, we, so we, su we support ourselves by having lessons and Music recording, you know, jobs and, you know, I, you know, all kinds of things that we do. And, um, but 
what was happening was the uh, our, the parents were losing their jobs, right? Because mm-hmm. the corporate jobs and people started to get laid off, and it took a little while for it to actually affect us. But the attrition rate of our students was higher than what we could, you know, re- re- get new ones, and so it started to kill us. So we were just looking for ways to save money. So I'm running around. You know, changing all the light bulbs. I started building my own LED lights, you know, to try to reduce uh, consumption. We switched over to uh, clean choice energy to get make sure we had wind energy instead of just coal. And uh, so that was a, a big decision. But basically, we're, we're, we, we wa- wa- walked around the place and got rid of all the vampire loads, things that will suck you dry financially if you like your, you like your computer monitors, all that kind of stuff. And we just killed it all. And Do you have solar? We have we have solar now, but um, at that time we didn't, and um, they, they told us that it couldn't be done, right? They said, oh, you got too many trees, you're in the middle of the woods. And uh, so we had two ash trees that had the ash borer thing, and those actually came down rudely. <laughs> and we had a, uh, a cherry tree come down and poke a hole in, in one of our roofs, so the roof had to be redone. So... Long story short, we f- we found a product that was made from recycled tires and plastic bottles, and uh, I spent a year uh, actually redecking the roof, pretty much. Well, Deborah it was. Helped. It was a uh, do-it-yourself. Yeah. And then I, I built the solar into that, but we never would have been able to afford it had we continued buying gas. So the so the the one thing in the whole mix was we bought our first electric car. And it saved us $300 a month in gas. And that was just enough to start us on the road to financial healing, right? Gotcha. You know? so because a friend of mine actually brought up an interesting point last night. Because I was talking to him about the, you know, about uh, electric vehicles. And he said, he said it's, it's a scam, basically, because you, you need fossil fuel uh, and, you know, carbon-based energy to recharge the cars. Yeah. Well, and I, I said, yeah, but this guy yeah. does... You know, everything without fossil fuels. How even if you decide to charge your car, your electric car, on the grid, the amount of pollution coming off a gas car is higher, by 20% higher than even an electric car on the dirtiest part of the grid, which is actually in West Virginia, right? Mm -hmm. So electric cars, on average, are about 60% cleaner even if you plug them into the dirty grid. So Bill Gates, as smart as, as we all think he is, he's 100% wrong. He couldn't be more wrong on that point, and your friend was reiterating a talking point that came from Bill Gates, that came probably from Alec or came from you know one of the fossil fuel industry lobby groups. Right. So that's a, that's a very common uh, argument. argument, but it's completely false, and it, it came from the fossil fuel industry to try uh-huh. to keep to try to keep you and me from going electric, thinking, oh, there's no difference, so I should just keep driving my gas guzzling car. Here's the truth, another truth about electric vehicles. Every gallon of gas that is burned in a gas car, I call them internal explosion engine cars now, or eek, eek, (laughs) you have have one of those, eek, right? Every gallon of gas is 20 pounds of pollution. When you drive an electric car, there is no uh, explosions. There's no, there's no emissions at all. It's zero emission. Not right. only does right. it put out the emission and the carbon, it also oil drips on the road. It gets into the water um, mm-hmm. ways. It it, right. it there's toxins that come out. And, so it's some nasty yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's some yeah, yeah. nasty so stuff. So now we're going to yeah. get back into to the, the music. music. Okay. But I'm glad. I, yeah. I'm glad. No, I'm glad I gave you a chance to expound on this because 
Uh, and it's what you you guys are all about. When, when you take the music away, this is really your your um, yes. your baby too. So well, we I, wouldn't be able to do the music to the extent that we're doing, Hal, if it wasn't for the fact that we're not paying that extra money in gas. Because electricity is 85% cheaper than gasoline, so it means that we can thrive. That's why we started Zero Emission Musicians as a kind of a support group because, you know, like people who travel, we're road warriors, right? People who travel, we're going to spend more money out of our income that's hard enough to come by anyway, right? right, right, right. I mean, look what they're doing. They're, they're stealing our money from, uh, uh, for streaming. We, we no longer get like sales. Like I don't get $2,300 a, uh, a quarter checks anymore. I get like $113 checks a quarter for like hundreds of thousands of plays, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. And so... So the streaming has taken away our income, and we are more or less like the raw material songwriters or the raw material on which the barons of this digital age are profiting, right? And so we, we're not making any money. So any way we can cut our expenses is better. And it turns out that, yeah, not only can you uh, cut your expenses, but you can drive all electric. So it's a, it's a win-win. You, you stop polluting, and you get to spend less money, right? Pretty awesome. And the money, less money, that you have more money than for things you want to do. Yeah. But like, you like were you'd originally, <laughs> yeah, you originally asked about our cross country tour. Well, when we got the Tesla, we were like, yes, here we go. And it was a, one of those bucket list things to, you know, travel across the country. And so we were able to do that with our. a little too young for that type of bucket list. Well, <laughs> uh, she's in a different zone than I am. But, <laughs> but yeah, it was a, I think it was an awesome trip. It took us uh, four, four days, more or less, four and a half days. And the to Tesla guides you where to go to charge. Right. So it was never an issue. Wait a minute. You mean yeah. there's not electricity everywhere? <laughs> oh my God. Well, that's you know, news. charge stations. Uh, thousands and thousands, thousands upon yes. thousands upon thousands. So, so let's get right into the journey then. Yeah. When you did this tour, you must have just some stories from the road that you could share. Like, <laughs> what's this about the cat lady? Was that the cat oh, lady? Oh, that was a different. <laughs> that was that was, that was some tour. years before. That was yeah. So so we we were at this church, and we're, it was a Sunday morning gig. And what we, year was this? Oh, I think it was a. It was in the early two thousands, like two thousand five or four, right around in there it was somewhere. In the, in the, we still had a gas car then. Yeah, it was in the first pack <laughs> of gigs that we were doing. Oh, it. okay. So this was. And I still want to hear the story because it yes. sounds interesting. The cat lady. This is a, actually, you know, led to a song, um, and we were at a church. We set up the night before because it was a very early. We had two services in the morning, so it was really early. So we set up and everything, and then. Uh, you know, she was just sitting in the church in one of the one of the pews, and I was just looking at her. And then our host said, uh, "Well, let's let's take you to your guest home now." So we we go over one there. One of the ladies in the church. And, yeah, house. one of the ladies in the church. And so we get in there, and we open up the door, and this little lady is standing there, and she welcomes us in. And I look in her living room, and it was from the floor all the way up to my eyeballs. I'm six foot six and a half, and it was all the way past my shoulders with a little scratch path through the middle of the living room where you could actually kind of walk through this uh, pile of stuff. It was turns a hoarder. She, <laughs> turns out she was a pack person. You know, we have no idea. She was like a, one of those hoarders, pack person, person of the path, we call her. Right? Person <laughs> uh-huh. of the path because she had path, you know. So we, we get into her, her dining room and the whole, underneath the table, on top of the table, right up to the ceiling there. 
And then she had all those crazy cats that, that have the eyeballs that go the like clock. this. Oh, the like, cat clocks? Like, like, she had, she had uh, dozens of these cat <laughs> clocks, right? Going like, and they were all going like this, and the head going like that, bobbling, you know? and the tail yeah. wagging. And so, and then, and then we're going, "What's that smell? Oh yeah, that's cat that's piss. Cat. Oh man!" So she takes us downstairs takes to where our bedroom to the is in her basement, which right? was and, moldy and, and the smelled basement. like cat pee. <laughs> as, you're, as you're going down, this the was stairs. before you could like put. Uh, uh, complain about Airbnb on Yelp. Right, right. right. So this nobody was, could possibly, possibly right. find this, out about her this was until before it's too Airbnb, late. It's too, right. It was, it was way uh, too late. How did you get turned on to her? Well, we was, were was playing a, at the church yeah. and we asked, you know, to be put up for the night and oh, so they asked... It was asked part of the people, deal. Yeah, it was, it was part, part of the deal. deal. What yeah. a deal. What a so, deal. <laughs> so she, you know, she offered her, her home oh, for us God. to stay, which we appreciated. Yes. And as we're going down... As we're going down the <laughs> stairs, you, you could actually see the basement window on the other side, but as soon as you got down to the bottom of the stairs, the stack of papers and everything was so high, you couldn't even see across the room. And then there was this shower uh, built in down there and some kind of tomb room. It was like some kind of you know bedroom in there. And so we're just sitting there, and inspiration hit right at that moment. <laughs> we're like, we're down there going, man, this really sucks. You know? <laughs> and so... Um, I turned on my, I think I had a camera at the time. I just turned on the camera and I started recording, started recording and the song just kind of came and I out. Played, I played Girl in the Pew, <laughs> right? And it's, it's actually on my Radiate CD, Girl in the Pew. And it, and it was, you know. Was that like a double uh, meeting, like Pew? Yeah, P E W. Yeah, it was. Yeah, exactly. It was like, but it was, but I was. Yeah, exactly. I was. I was inspired by her sitting in that. It was not hard. We were also sitting in that stink right then. It was not hard getting up early the next morning. Yeah, (laughs) we were really ready to get out of there. The gig went great. We we sold CDs. It was all good. But then, you know, I recorded that, and you know, you know how. uh, I mean, you're a songwriter, Hal. You know, and you know that you're supposed to always peer review your songs and sure. you, you know go, you get go a little to, feedback yeah you go to nsai and you, you get some genuine pro feedback and everything well i never and uh, so i never did that with this song i actually put money down on it recorded it had it all ready to go and then uh deborah and i hosted we had an nsai workshop with uh a man named John Brahaney, who has since passed away, but he was one of the top guys at uh, tra- uh, uh, Taxi. Yeah, um, he also yeah. authored the the uh, craft and business of songwriter, yes. and uh, signed yes. it over to me because nice. at the yes. time, back in the day, John and I uh, met each other at quite a yeah. few events. Mm. There's another serendipitous. <laughs> yeah, joined, and and yeah, he also wrote songs with Linda Ronstadt. Yeah, also, which is cool, and. Um, so we watched him for I guess uh, three or four days. You know, he was doing his taxi thing, and then and then he had at, songwriters come in. So yeah. he, we, they stayed with us for several days, and, and we got to know them. And and he, um, as you know, courtesy well, reviewed I, our songs. Well, I, yeah. I watched him for days. Yeah. Just yeah, you know, we spend this intense time with these songwriters and everything. And I never thought anything of it. And, and one day in the morning, we're sitting down. He goes, "Hey, Rick, you're a songwriter." Right? I go, "Yeah." He goes, "Well." Let me listen to some of your stuff. I'll give you some reviews for... for John was the Obi-Wan Kenobi of songwriters. Oh, oh yeah. Mm, mm-hmm. So I, I brought him down here. He listened to Girl in the and, Pew. And, uh, <laughs> and, and the thing is, yeah, the thing is, I must have known somewhere in my heart, in my, in my psyche, there was something wrong with the song. Uh-huh. And I never had anybody else listen to it that was a pro, right? right? So he listens to it and he goes, that is a great song, except you're really F it up right here. <laughs> 
<laughs> right? He used another word. But he goes, he goes, right there. He goes, you totally drop it right there. He goes, you need to fix that, right? I go, okay. So uh, we, 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 he goes, give me another one. So uh, I, I, I played one of the Lyra Project songs that's on the Goddess CD. And uh, that one uh, was a musical thing. Where with the girl in the pew, it was a lyrical thing, which was really actually easy to fix, right? But uh, this other one, he goes, man, he goes, this could be such a great hit song. But he goes, there's two things. This, it's this and this. And, he, and, he, and I go, oh, man, that's the musical thing. And it was already recorded. Same exact story almost, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I spent the rest of the time with it, that they were here trying to fix that thing. And I finally did. I finally fixed it. He listened to it again. He goes, thumbs up. So it was like, us a thumbs up on how we fixed it. So it was like, so we do have a couple, at least two hit songs because John Brahaney helped us. Yeah. You get a thumbs up from John Brahaney. You've got a major (laughs) thumbs up. Well, you know, I have a John Brahaney story. Okay. You know how musicians or songwriters Mm -hmm. are always afraid to play some of their stuff for in public because they're thinking somebody's going to rip them off. Okay. Right. Mm. And I always had that kind of, mentality and i shot myself in the foot big time with this because i brought a couple songs to john um and he liked one of them (coughs) enough to recommend i send it to somebody Mm. and that somebody sent me like a single song contract for it he he was he was going to do it and because i thought like everybody was out to get me in you know your standard songwriting contract was like a hundred percent for the songwriter and a hundred percent for the publisher you know that kind Mm. of thing yeah so and I had friends whispering in my ear, like, never give 100% of your publishing away. So I ended up, like, shooting myself in the foot because I should have signed that deal. Turned out the guy is 100% legit. And like I said, I don't offhand remember his name anymore. But in retrospect, I should have done that deal. He probably would have got somebody to cut it. And I could have been making a few shekels today off from that sure, song. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the one reason we, we give back to our community through uh, groups like the National Songwriters Association. Because uh, education about like the business aspect of it. I, I've made all those mistakes, right? Um, yeah, you kind of learn as you go. Yeah, and it, the, yeah. the thing is they're, co- they're costly mistakes. And the, you never actually get that exact opportunity ever again. It's like sometimes they're completely one of a kind. And and you uh, once it goes by, it goes by. You're never going to get it again, you know, so. Yeah, and I have since taken that song to songwriter critiques, like the, the NSAI type of mm-hmm. thing. And, you know, people write all over it and got all different kinds of opinions. and right. But... I'm thinking, yeah, but I already got offered a publishing deal on that. Right. So no matter what you, you never, you know, yeah. opinions are very subjective. Mm. True. So don't stop believing in yourself just because somebody says, well, this is wrong. Like like Rick did, fix it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fix it, update it that, if you that's, have to. You know, that's a value of, of yeah. a you know, pro like John Brahaney. And, um, yeah. and he didn't so. mince words either, boy. He's just like... You know, he, just laid he, knew, it out. He, he knew I, I could take it. You know, it's like some people can't take that because you're, I think, you're really effed it up, right? <laughs> yeah, I think John would have said that whether you could take it or not because he's not there to, to coddle you. He, right. That's right. That, that's what he, <laughs> that, that was his gift. I just love that. <laughs> yeah, fucked it up right here. <laughs> there, I said it. Oh, you said it, yeah. You've co written with some uh, other people besides Rick. Um, for instance, Michael Ronstadt. And you want to. Elaborate on a little bit of working with Michael. Uh, well, uh, we met Michael actually through Craig Bickhart, 
who is another pro songwriter. And I had uh, Craig in at our yes. songwriter's original showcase, yes. which was actually uh, at the Ambler uh, Theater. Mm-hmm. And uh, Craig performed one night, and Craig brought Michael in. And uh, at that moment in time, uh, we were supposed to go to another club. I had a fight with a the club. They wouldn't. Uh, all I wanted them to do was feed my songwriters. That's all. That was the deal. And we'll bring 135 people or 80 or whatever down to your club. And they go, well, we're not going to do that. I go, oh, well, then we're not coming to your club. So I talked to Jerry Timlin across the street at the Shanaki. And he says, yeah, come on over, right? Well, we did that. And it turned out it was uh, Craig's birthday. So we celebrated Craig's birthday. We met Michael. It was an um, amazing after show party. It was one of the best ones yes. we ever had. Well, Michael is an amazingly talented cellist and songwriter. And we've just had a lot of great collaboration with him. We've, we have him playing on our Liber Project uh, songs. Rick's had him played on his uh, Rick Denzine releases. I mean, he's played on artists. I've actually heard, I was listening last night to, uh, he played the theme from Game of Thrones and you guys That's were right. doing That's the a, background yeah. vocals on that. That was it. my yeah. idea. Yeah. I love that song. That was very cool. <laughs> So I'll put a link to that in, the, in my show notes because I think people should check that out. That's very, very cool. Have you written lyrically with Michael? Too? Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. We have several songs. Melting Fields is a song that we wrote when we were on the road with Michael in uh, western New York doing a, a gig in Rick's hometown area of Buffalo, New York. It was a, it was a Rick Denzine tour, and I invited uh, Lost in Holland at the time. That was his band at the time called Lost in Holland with Josh Hissel. And uh, so uh, they had a, a spot within our set, and then uh, we did like... Uh, and then backed us up as well. Yeah, and backed set, us up yeah. on vocals and, and instruments. So uh, we were staying with uh, a family friend of his mother's, and... Um, my my mother's partner uh, basically got this adult milkshake stuff and uh, fed it to us, and it, you know we didn't realize we that it was like night. it was spiked, like really Ooh. hardcore. So we just got all fired up, and um, you know we we, and we all of us are songwriters. So you know Josh, Michael, and Deborah and I, and we, and we just started writing songs. So we wrote like in in that night, we wrote like uh, probably like eleven or twelve songs. Was it that many? Yeah, we re- recorded all of them. Some of them were like rap songs, like you know, most is ducks, but I was don't just goofing around <laughs> stuff. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> crazy. <laughs> but I know at least I know at least two completed songs came out of that. Yeah, and then yeah. Uh, Dulcimer Twins and Melting Fields. Yeah, yeah. well, D- Dulcimer Twins was uh, they were at, at the gig. They were at the yeah we I. <laughs> We we finished up our set at the uh, uh, the, the Springville uh, Entertainment yeah. uh, place. It's uh, like I guess the converted called, church to, that you went to when it you was were a community kid. center, right? <laughs> and they, it was like it was actually my home church when I was growing up. And uh, so after the show, these these two women came up to the stage and they go, "Hi, we're the Dulcimer Twins." And I go, "Yes, you are." <laughs> <laughs> and and so uh, I go, we got, I go to Michael, we got to write this song, Dulcimer Twins, and then. Uh, you know, uh, we were doing a, a jam at one of the uh, house concerts here, and uh, another friend of ours. We wrote a completely different version of it that that's like the sexy version, right? Of the, the like the fantasy of the Dulcimer twins. But then Michael and I, you know, we we had the uh, 
get serious. Yeah, we had a yeah, it was more serious. And that, that <laughs> it's, an whole, art, it's an art song. It's really beautiful. It's beautiful. That gig was uh, late spring, and the f- and we were kind of staying in a rural place, and the fields, well, the oh, cornfields all around us were still half frozen. We were like right across um, the street from yes. the largest nuclear waste dump oh, in the country. That's 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 why we're so inspired. <laughs> so the melting fields, yeah. How about uh, your um, friendship with? Lisa Popeil, Deb. Oh, Deborah. okay. So, How um, about, yeah, where did you meet? I I found Lisa Popeil because I was looking for um, a way to become accredited to teach vocal. So, um, been a piano teacher and music teacher uh, since the nineties, and um, studied in college to do that. And people were asking me for singing lessons, and I've taken workshops and private lessons, but I didn't feel qualified to say I'm a singing teacher because I didn't have the training You're a damn good to singer, be a though. teacher. I know, but you know, that's doesn't qualify you to be a teacher. So I thought, well, I'm not going back to college to study opera because that's how you get a, you know, credit to become a teacher by going to college is studying opera and traditional, you know, classical singing. Uh, my students were interested in pop singing I searched online, and um, I found several programs where you could get an accreditation for what studying. What year was this? This was in 2004 or five. I think it was 2004. Um, Lisa comes to Philadelphia once a year. She's part of the Vocal Foundation, and she does uh, presentations. It's a it's an international foundation that deals with the physiology and the health of the voice and singing is one of um, the segments that they do at the conference. Mm. So she was in Philadelphia and I had been in touch with her. I ordered some of her training materials and just from listening to her training materials, I had a breakthrough in my own singing and the way she presented it, how to use the diaphragm and how to use your support um, that I had never been um, presented to in that way before. She was very, very, very helpful. Uh, she gave me that aha moment, and so, um, and she's very available. I mean, she's just the nicest person, warm, loving, open, Absolutely. wonderful teacher. Um, we've become friends with her. I feel so, you know, blessed to have her in my life. <laughs> yeah. um, she's my mentor. I mean, she's also a vocal guru. But anyway, I met with her for a one-on-one coaching session and then signed up for her workshops and then her subsequent um, seven-day training, intensive training program. Yeah, In the early days of the internet, I had that website called Little Hank's Guide for Songwriters, and Lisa was one of the sponsors, one of the ones who, you know, kind of helped me keep that going, and then she hired me to do her first website. Which admittedly was, you know, c- compared to the websites right. the they have days. now, yeah, yeah. Right. was a little days. Neanderthal, but but it was still so it got uh, us going. It looked good, <laughs> you know, it looked good. Yeah. I mean, a, a, a professional webmaster would look at it today and go, "Oh, that's an old website." Yeah. But yeah. great lady, and you know, she's also a songwriter and does produ- pro- producing herself. But um, that was one of the reasons why we were headed to California because she had a workshop and I went out there to uh, be an assistant with her. And, um, and also, I don't know if you know this, but you probably do that. She just finished a tour summer long tour with weird Al 
Yankovic. No, I did not. He know. went yeah. on tour <laughs> all over the United States, sell out arenas, sell out in seventy some you know, shows. Oh, and they were all sellouts. We of went to course. get tickets, and they were sold out. Yeah. Um, by the time she got around to saying she could comp us, we had already we were headed toward Virginia, and unfortunately didn't get to see her when she was here with Weird Al. But uh, followed her on you know Facebook and social media, and she was. One of three background singers, singers, and they called them Al's Gals. Al's Gals. Yeah. So Lisa Popiel yeah. was one of Al's yes. Gals. Right. Speaking the of day. Al's Gals, the day. one of Al's Gals, one of my, <laughs> an ex-girlfriend of mine, uh, her, uh, her sister went to school with Al. So okay. after work one day, I went over to their house, and he's sitting on the couch. There's Weird Al sitting on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a nice little conversation yeah. with Weird oh I actually met him. Uh, we have so many so, weird, weird synchronicities. You know what I feel yeah. like? You never see like Zelig or Forrest Gump. Like I'm, right. I'm, I'm, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I'm in all these situations. Where I, I, I wish I had pictures of right. everybody I've yeah. ever found myself uh-huh. in a room with. You know, but but it's funny. Yeah. That's that's why I started this whole thing because I got all these, all of my own stories fit in with everybody else's somewhere. Yeah. That <laughs> six <laughs> degrees of separation. Yeah. I only have like one or two degrees at the most of from anybody. From How about just that? The situations yeah. I've always found myself yeah. in. Well, another synchronicity is Chad Chad Watson. Oh yeah, Chad, well, yeah, yeah. When when we were out in L.A., I, I, I recorded Silence of the Sages, and uh, Chad played bass. Uh, we uh, Eddie Hedges uh, from Unit of Blessed Souls. Uh-huh. You know, you know him. He he recorded us and played drums and stuff. So yeah. we had a good time. I know of good Eddie. Stuff. I haven't met Eddie. Yeah, he's Believe really it or not, I haven't met super Eddie. <laughs> super guy. Really super guy. And Chad, of course, you know he's he he just had you know he just has his stuff together. He just does. You know? Yeah, oh. he was my first producer. You know, he was like he took me under his wing when I was just starting out. And uh, he's a seventeen-year-old. He was baby he was boy. he was up in Rochester, New York, and um, uh, he was going to a school at the Eastman School of Music. And uh, so somehow we we hooked up, and I was you know doing my songs and everything. And next thing I know, we're driving down to Nashville. Went into the uh, Oak Ridge Boys studio and, you know, we uh, recorded my first uh, song. You can hear it. It's uh, the Dewdrop. They just put it up. It's like one of the first songs. Was that did. with uh, Elvis's keyboard player? Uh, no, it was with Randy Randy uh, uh, Coriel. But uh, that day, uh, the day we were there, actually two days took to record the record. Uh, yeah, Tony Brown came in and uh, Chad and JT and I, we recorded this song called, it was a tribute to Elvis, but it was Chad's song. So it's like a bonus track. Wow. Well, you know, to, to know Chad Watson is to love Chad Watson. Yeah. But let me ask you this in closing. This is time for your shameless self-promotion. So if you have any projects you want to kind of let everybody in on, a website, give us your web address, your contact info. Oh, give it okay. up and I'll put it on the show notes page as well. You go to Lyra, L-Y-R-A, project.com and the, the music store pops right up. Uh, my music is at rickdenzine, D-E-N-Z-I-E-N.com. And the school that we have is uh, denleemusicschool.com. Yes, and uh, we've already mentioned the ThriveFest thing and the electric car showcase that we're doing. Zero emission musicians. Yep. So, yeah, yes. we want to encourage everyone out there to uh, get your admissions down to zero as ASAP. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, get up stainless steel. A stainless steel water bottle. Stop yeah. buying the plastic water if bottles. I it's killing give, the f- 
the fish and the sea and the whales. And- yeah, I might have to draw the line at straws, though. <laughs> I don't know if I could like, keep washing out oh. a metal straw all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just not use a straw at all. How about yeah, don't how's use this? Straws. Don't use any straw at all. Forget the go. paper, forget the yeah. metal one. Just, just sip out of the cup. And don't, forget, don't be a baby. <laughs> don't forget, you can, you can also go up to uh, uh, my Tesla site and you can get a thousand free miles of uh, charging. So Should it's, I be charging him for a commercial right so here? I don't it's, know. Just uh, charge Tesla. HTTPS. Tesla, I think, might owe me some money. HTTPS uh, and then colon forward slash forward slash TS dot LA slash Rick 4505. That's too much to Do remember. I get a commission from this? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you, Yeah, he's only getting free miles. He's not getting any cash. Yeah, free miles. <laughs> What's yeah. going on here? Oh, I know. Uh, anyway, I want to thank you both. Thank this, you, I had Hal. a lot of fun. Thank you, Hal. Rick Denzine, Deborah Lee, and uh, Hal and Philly. Hal and Philly. And I'm going for a drive. Yeah, I'm going for a drive.